KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One. As soon as I realized it could be a full time job, I thought, oh, yeah, that's what I want to do. I think my backup was always a physical education teacher. In college, I coached club team, would do summer camps for other colleges I'd work at in the summer, and I had really amazing role models. But then, yeah, once I realized that you could do this for a living, I was like, count me in. Our guest this week is Hannah Prince. She is the new head field hockey coach at St. Joseph's. She had been an assistant in previous times, has had a lot of impressive stops on her coaching career and now is taking over on Hawk Hill. Hannah, first of all, thanks for the time. Thanks, Matt. Thank you for having me. You officially been in place for about a month. What's life been like other than a complete whirlwind? Yeah, I mean, it's been, I reflected on that last night. I realized it had been just about a month. So I had moved from Kentucky here, had about a week to prep for preseason. Now we are officially in opening week. So very exciting. You were an assistant here before. When you're taking a job this late, does that familiarity has to be invaluable that you're not starting from complete scratch at a completely new place, right? Absolutely. I say that all the time. 2017 and 2018, I was here. One, it helped with just the decision making with taking the job. I knew I loved it here. And then two, yeah, with in terms of recruiting, in terms of familiarity with campus and even some of the current players on the team, I helped recruit um, and then just had some interactions with some of um, even the freshmen. So it's really great that I had that, you know, relationship with them, as well as knowing Jill, our athletic director and Rini, my administrator. So it's been awesome. So I'm really excited that this transition was smooth. When you get a job like this, this kind of late in the game, what was your checklist? Like, what were the things right at the top of the list of you know, we've got to take care of this, got to take care of this, got to take care of this. Number one was getting acquainted with the team, making sure they knew that they were going to be taken care of, that I had a plan, that I wanted to start to build relationships with them immediately. So team was number one. Um, Number two was getting my staff in place, uh, which was great. I was able to keep Alexa Hoover on staff and then hire Christian DeAngelis, a member of the men's national team. And then the third is recruiting. So of course, with when Lynn departed to when I started, It was about five weeks. So I wanted to get caught back up on recruiting for the 2024 high school class as soon as possible. So those have been my like big three focus points. Does the the season starting, is that actually kind of a relief? Like there's a chance to get into some kind of a rhythm a little bit? Yeah, I love double sessions. I love preseason. I think the girls had such a positive outlook the whole preseason and they really worked hard and embraced the things I was asking of them. But I think it will be nice to get into season back to one session a day, start to be able to break down more video and then prep for our opponents, which is, yeah, I mean, game day is the best day. How did you get the start in coaching? Was it always something you figured was going to be in the picture or was there just a point where somebody said, would you be interested And you, I'll give it a shot. And the rest is history. Kind of what was your origin story with coaching? As soon as I realized it could be a full-time job, I thought, oh yeah, that's what I want to do. 
I, I think my backup was always a physical education teacher, but then, yeah, once I realized that you could do this for a living, I was like, count me in. So in college, I coached club team, um, would do summer camps for other colleges I'd work at in the summer. And I had really amazing role models. Both of my college coaches, I had two head coaches, Justine Sauer, who I worked for at Louisville, and then Carla Tagliente, who is now the Princeton coach, but was my coach at UMass for a couple of years. Both of them knew that I wanted to coach. So they helped me kind of set goals for myself, get in positions where I'd be building coaching tool sets. Like Carla in my senior year, I did an internship with her and I got to learn about our compliance software, how to code video. So they both did an amazing job helping me just get prepared for for college coaching. Were you surprised as you're going along how much of coaching is not coaching? Like how much of it is paperwork? How much of it is setting up for a road trip? How much of it is like you said, working with software, this isn't working, call the company and ask why our password got rejected. Like, did that surprise you once you got waist deep into it? How little the actual coaching is of the job? Yeah, it did. It did surprise me. But again, I was fortunate that I had Justine and Carla, both as very good mentors who, who, who laid the expectations to me and kind of warned me about that. But also I think they saw a lot in me and, and the potential I had to be a, a great coach. So that definitely helped, but yeah. And I mean, you know, as a head coach, there's even less, right? I have more bigger responsibilities. So I do have to lean on my assistants to get out on the field with players to help them with some, you know, extra sessions to keep bridging the gap in some areas they might need help where in the perfect world, I'd get to be on the field for 12 hours a day. But no, I mean, I think it just makes me that much more grateful for the time I do get to be out there with them. Taking over for Lynn Farquhar, who did a phenomenal job with the program. We mentioned you were on staff with her. What are the You've obviously had a lot of very important influences in your life that have kind of shaped who you are as a coach. What would you kind of, what lines on your resume would you kind of take from your time and learning from Lynn? Yeah, Lynn, as you said, she just was such a huge, I mean, honestly, role model for me too. I mean, she took over St. Joe's and they were probably ranked on the sixties um, and brought them to top 10 this past season. And she is just the definition of just selfless and dedicated and has so much integrity with everything she does. And I, when I interviewed for the position and I realized what the type of person she was and the passion she put into this program, I thought, wow, this is, uh, this would be a wonderful person to work with and work for. And then my first year here, we won the A-10 championship, which was her first A-10 championship as a head coach and then program's first NCAA appearance. So yeah, I've taken a lot from Lynn. I mean, the detail that she puts into hockey to just her, her mindset with recruiting and giving people an opportunity that have some of the intangible qualities that, you know, maybe aren't the most polished players, but are going to be people that are going to come in and want it. So yeah, there's a ton that I've, I've learned from her and I continue to learn from her. We keep in touch all the time. She's a great resource for me. She's someone that I will have in my life for the rest of my life. We need to take a break on one-on-one. We will have more with St. Joseph's University new head field hockey coach, Hannah Prince, right after this. And we are back continuing our conversation with St. Joseph's University field hockey coach, Hannah Prince on one-on-one. So let's talk a little bit about your journey. You grew up in Maine, am I correct? Yes, Gorham, Maine. 
field hockey always at the top of your list or were you playing everything as a kid? Um, no, field hockey was always my, my one true love since about first grade. So I started off in a youth program, had wonderful role models who were on the varsity team and then went off to play in college. And that sort of paved my way to wanting to, you know, become a college athlete, a college coach. And yeah, I'm very fortunate that I fell in love with it at a very early age. What was it about the sport at, at such a young age that made it such a passion for you? I definitely like to be able to run around, like to be able to hit a hit a ball with a stick and be physical. And yeah, I just think I picked up on it quickly and it was just a great way to get out energy and connect with teammates. I was pretty competitive from a very young age. I, yeah, I always wanted to be, you know, to be the best. And I, I always pretty quickly, I viewed the sport as more than just what you do at practice. It's what you do preparing your body physically, preparing your mind. Um, so it became pretty serious pretty quickly. Did you realize that, that that's unusual for that young age to kind of take that all-encompassing look at it? Because I know a lot of people who play sports who ended up being pros, coaches, whatever, but when they're that young, it's just about you know beating the obnoxious kid down the street or winning the the game individually to kind of have that type of look that is very mature for someone young I think I saw people be successful like some of my role models like I mentioned players on the varsity team there's one in particular who Jenny Durgan she's my athletic director's daughter and she I just wanted to be just like her and I saw the hard work that she put in and then her going off she played at Springfield College and I used to go watch her play as I grew up when she was at her four years there and I I quickly realized that in order to to become better and be competitive out of the state of Maine. I have, I had to, you know, train 12 months a year, do the extra workouts um, that simply sticking to just my two hour practice here and there wasn't going to be enough to get me to where I wanted to be. 12 months a year. That's a lot. Were there ever points where you had questions like as much of a passion as it was that is this worth it? You know, isn't there something else I could be doing? Or were you always pretty much zoned in that this is going to be the track that's going to take me? Yeah, I was pretty zoned <laughs> in. But I do. I mean, one thing I always say to my players is I recognize that that's not how everyone is. And you can love the sport just as much as I do, but you might need outlets in other ways. And, you know, I have I've had players in the past who some, you know, are really into art and they have an outlet with painting or some really like distance running and they also love playing feel lucky some like CrossFit music, all kinds of things. So I I'm very supportive of everyone's differences and everyone having their own outlets. For me, it's just always been related to a lot of physical activity so that that works for me, but I'm definitely very much into embracing that everyone has their differences. And as long as we all have a common mission and we're all bought into that, then, then we can all be a, you know, really cohesive group. Everything I read about you, reference playing defense were you always a defender or like when you were younger I know there's a lot more fluidity you know at the younger levels with positions and stuff like that or did you always play defense for the most part I played a lot of like center mid throughout high school and club. And then once I got to college, I played side back and then through the national team, I also played as a defender. So I think it just kind of depended on the environment 
the more competitive it was, I, I was definitely a stronger back than I was midfielder with my skill set. But when I play in any adult leagues now, usually I put myself in the midfield because I like to be able to run on run both sides of the ball a bit more. Defense can be tough. You don't get the the headline stuff like that, but it seems like that didn't really matter to you. Did you have a preference growing up? Like, did you did it bother you if you were on defense on one team or up front on another, or just let's play? Yeah, definitely. I stay off the forward line. I like to have things in front of me that I can organize and direct, and I'd rather distribute the ball. But I know I didn't care. I mean, I I did have um, some goals, like in my senior year of college, I started drag flicking on penalty corners. So that was like a set a set piece that I was, I would come up to the circle for, but otherwise I wasn't really in a position taking a lot of shots. Um, but I, I wanted to be the one helping create the play and having my teammates, you know, be able to put it in the back of the net. And that is equally as exciting for me. Um, definitely someone who's all about team success and positionally, it never really bothered me. How else would you scout your game as a player? If you were recruiting yourself, what would you be writing down on the, the notepad? Oh man, uh, probably high energy, vocal, uh, works, you know, works hard off ball. Like it's always very important to me to put myself in a position where I'm available for my teammates with the ball and without the ball. I'm in a position that if the other team gets the ball, we're stopping them up the field as high as possible. Good ball speed. My, in a perfect world, I intercept every ball that comes near my person I'm marking and then I just trap and pass the ball. So, they play pretty much two touch hockey in a perfect world. So minimal touches, get the bank teammates, the ball, keep my, whoever I'm marking away from the ball and keep it nice and simple. Would Hannah Prince, the coach have an easy time coaching Hannah Prince, the player? Yeah, yeah probably because I, as a coach, you want players who want to get out and do extra work, do extra video who are super competitive the one thing in college my coaches used to tell me is just to be patient, you got to trust the process. Sometimes on defense, I get a little, you know, too in their face and maybe foul a little too much. So as I developed my college career, just, you know, active pressure on the ball versus like too physical pressure on the ball. So, yeah, I think I would definitely like to coach myself just given the commitment that I have to becoming better and, and thinking about the team first. You mentioned college. You went to UMass. Were there other schools that were close as you you were getting recruited? Was it always UMass the leader in the clubhouse? Yeah, I am. Um, thankfully, in high school, I was selected for a lot of the USA Pipeline junior team events. So I was identified by a lot of schools and, and did get a lot of interest. But it was important to me to stay a drive from home for my family to be able to come and support me. And growing up, uh, University of New Hampshire was the closest D1 school to where I lived. So for a long time, I thought I was going to go there. Uh, but then I really fell in love with UMass and um, the school and the coaching staff and the program at the time was top 15. So I loved that I could be going to a competitive school that I felt I would be able to come in and play as a freshman. That was important. But yeah, no, I definitely narrowed down the list pretty quickly. And yeah, I've, I've always enjoyed being able to have my family be a big supporter, which is another reason I'm glad to be back in Philly. So they'll be a bit closer and they'll be able to come and support my team. Did you enjoy the recruiting process from the 
player standpoint? Did it hit a point where you were like, I just want to get this over with? Or did you take it all in stride? Because I'm fascinated. This is a question you get a wide range of answers to. Yeah, I I do think it was very stressful. And I, I appreciate that there are some rules now within the NCAA that have helped delay the process for college coaches to be able to speak to student athletes. As you may know, June 15th, going into their junior year for field hockey is our contact date. So instead of, you know, seventh, eighth grade freshmen being given verbal offers and then committing when you're 15 years old to a school that at the time you love, but in four years, you might have grown a lot or just your, your priorities might've changed. So I think it was very stressful. Um, I tried to just think about where I'd feel the most at home. When I was down to my top three, I was, it was, yeah, it was really hard to just have to make a final decision because you, you did get invested in other schools and in what they had to offer and their coaching staffs and the team. But it, yeah, once I, I, I did know in my gut, I wanted to go to UMass and I'm glad that I, that I followed that. How much does your experience when it comes to being recruited help you now as the recruiter? To be recruited at a high level like that, to have that type of attention, I would imagine that's invaluable for you now when you're out there and understanding, because it's probably, as you referenced, you know, in today's world, it's it's a whole different world when it comes to the attention a lot of this recruiting gets. Yeah, I always try to remind myself what it's like in their shoes. It's very nerve wracking. I do appreciate prospective student athletes who can look me in the eyes and answer questions and ask me questions and be mature and, and just seem very invested. But I also recognize that it is nerve wracking and people are going to be nervous and not always necessarily warm up as fast as others. So I try to just get recruits comfortable. Like, you know, it's not all about, this is what we want out of you. This is, you know, what are you, what are you looking for? Like some of it is just about getting to know them as people and getting comfortable so that you then can build the relationship. And I think the relationship building is the most important part because they could be great on the field, but if it's not a good fit for a school or um, team, then they're going to come and it, it might not work out so wonderfully. So it's a two-way street with a commitment level from the institution and the student athlete. But I definitely try to always just remember what it's like to be in their shoes. And I just want to make them comfortable so that, you know, we can both be, make the best decisions for, you know, what, what's necessary. During your playing career at UMass, what are your favorite memories, either games, moments, or just the overall experience? Yeah, I mean, the first one that comes to mind is my senior year. We beat U University of Virginia in the Sweet 16. I had scored a goal earlier that game, which, again, was rare in my college career. Um, but it was an overtime goal by a, one of our freshmen, you know, and it was just and the game had been such a grind. And as you know, in field hockey, it's 77 overtime, over 100 yards. So it's an absolute mental, physical battle. And I love it. But, yeah, winning that game to go to the Elite Eight was the first time. I believe since 92, the program had made it beyond the first round. And that was 2013 was my senior year. So that was amazing um, to have done that. And, and we did lose obviously in the elite eight to Duke, but you know, I, I always believe that, you know, you want to leave the program in a better spot than when you got there. And I, I feel like I could walk away and graduate knowing that I helped be a part of that. You also played 
with the national team, uh, outdoor, indoor. What was your introduction to that? Is that something you tried out for? Is that something somebody came to a practice and said, hey, we're interested in this for you? Is it something you just got a letter or a phone call and said, hey, be here on this day and, you know, we'll go to Switzerland or whatever? Like, you know, how did it work? Yeah. So like I mentioned in high school, I did some of the USA pipeline regional training. It was called Futures. Now it's called Nexus. From there, you can kind of get selected regionally and then nationally. And then once you're at the national tournament, there's selections for junior national camp, which then leads to the U16 team, 19s, 21s, and so on. So I was fortunate enough to be selected in high school for the 16s, uh, went on tour with them to Holland my junior year. Um, and from there, once I kind of realize that, wow, I, I actually at a national level can be competitive. I then set the goal for myself to make the national team. Obviously went through my four years at UMass, made the U21 team, went to the um, Junior World Cup in 2013, going into my senior year um, with them. And then graduating, I tried out at the, it's called the High Performance Tournament for the outdoor senior team after graduating and was selected for that from this tournament. So it's kind of, yeah, it's a tournament style tryout. Um, it, it changes every time there's a head coach shift, but at the time it had been that. I trained with them for a year and then went to New Hampshire to be an assistant and then was contacted by the indoor national team coach uh, who wanted me to come play with them. And then I did that for about six years while I was an assistant here. And at the time I was an assistant here, we went to the uh, Pan American games and won gold and I went to the indoor world cup. So Coaching and playing has been just very, very busy, but I've loved every second of it. So now that I am just a head coach, I can really just focus on my team. But I definitely think my playing career helped me to get to where I am. For people that aren't familiar, is there a big difference indoor, outdoor field hockey other than obviously one's outside, one's inside? Or are there subtle rule changes, stuff like that? Oh, a lot of rule changes. So outdoor 11 v 11, indoor is five on five. In indoor, you can't lift the ball unless it's a shot on goal. There's no 3D skills, so no lifted dynamic skills. Um, you can't hit the ball. There's no back swings. Everything is a push. I think it's sport court is probably the best way to describe the surface. It can also be played on a basketball court. So, you know, I've gone to over to Europe many, many times with the indoor national team and it'll either be on a hard plastic surface or a, a wooden surface. So really, really fast paced game and a very high scoring game. So I actually believe it or not, think that spectators prefer indoor over outdoor at times, just given how high scoring and fast paced it is. From a playing standpoint, is it a difficult adjustment to go from one to the other? I think if you grew up playing both, no. But if you didn't, then absolutely. Because indoor, you're a lot lower to the ground. Not If you're someone who your favorite elimination skill is lifting the ball over a defender's stick, you're going to struggle in indoor because you can't do that. Everything has to be flat to the ground. So yeah, in, in a lot of ways, you can't jab the ball defensively, only a block block tackle. So yeah, I would say it's a bit of an adjustment. Um, I definitely get more sore playing indoor than I do outdoor. So I'll give you that nugget. What is your favorite memory from playing for the national team? And you mentioned Holland, where there are other cool places you got to travel that you probably never would have gone to if it wasn't for, for this opportunity. 
Absolutely. My favorite outdoor memory would be playing in New Zealand. Yeah, that was what, 2014? We had a six game series with the New Zealand national team and we went to three different cities around the country. So we got to kind of tour the country while playing these incredibly competitive matches. So that was really just my first, it was actually my first international caps with the outdoor team. So that was an amazing memory. And then with the indoor team, when I was here in 2017, it was actually during season, Lynn was super supportive of me going and being the captain for the Pan American games in Guyana um, in South America. And we won gold and we, it was just such a team effort. And uh, I think we all were super humble going into the tournament and you know, we, we were all on the same page. We all worked hard together. We believed in ourselves and took it really one game at a time and got to that gold medal game and left it all out there against um, Argentina and, and won gold. And that, I mean, that will be a highlight of you know, one of the top three moments of my life, probably. So yeah, very fortunate. For those years where you're coaching and you're playing, is it difficult to shift the dynamic as far as you go from a player who has coaches that want you to do something and then your coach who's trying to tell the players what to do something. Is that a difficult or is it easy to slip in and out of those, those two, those roles? I think I got used to it pretty quickly when I was at university of New Hampshire and I had just left the national team. I think that was the hardest shift because I was training with essentially the, what was the Olympic team and then going to coach college, which is just a significantly different level. So again, patience is probably something I needed to keep reminding myself to have, but I immediately loved it. And I, and I embraced, you know, people's strengths, people's areas they could work on. Uh, but I, yeah, I remember losing my voice a lot that season, <laughs> but in general, no, I've never had a problem with that. I, I think that I expect my assistants now to jump in drills at times to show an example of, you know, how things are done at a very high level, how we communicate, how we move our body. So no, I think it's, it's actually a huge piece of coaching is being able to provide live examples and, and all of that. One of the things I find fascinating is when you're a high level competitor, a lot of things probably come easy to you that maybe you don't realize don't come easy to everyone. And especially I would imagine when you started your coaching career, was it tough? Like when a kid couldn't get something and you're just like, just do X, why don't you just do it? Is that, is it tough to, to kind of accept that things don't come easy to everyone like they did to you? In ways, yes, but I also kind of going back to just recognizing everyone has areas that they're going to be more passionate about or they need outlets in different ways. I School didn't come easy for me. So I could, you know, I had tutors or professors who might have been frustrated with me, but they, but they weren't. I had really great people who helped accommodate things to help me learn in a different way. So I try to bring that into my coaching style and just recognize it if, and I actually put a lot of the blame on myself. Like if I, if I say, okay, this is the drill we're going to do. I write it on the board, uh, ask if there's any questions and they step out there and do the drill. And it is just a wreck. I, I only look at myself for that. I, if, if the majority of the team isn't grasping what I asked them to do, then I didn't do a good job explaining it. So we'll just take a minute. We'll reset, do a live example, you know, really try to make sure they get it. You know, of course, when you explain it to the whole team and only one person doesn't, well, then it's like, okay, let's 
I usually I'll have one of my leaders just talk to them off to the side or a coach talk to them off to the side so that we can continue on with the drill. But in general, I'll put it back on myself. You know, if they're not grasping something, like I want to figure out a way to, to make sure they understand it, you know, as efficiently as possible. How tough is it when you're going back kind of that player, when you're the player, you're the person out there and you're, you've got the stick, you've got, you're making it happen. As a coach, you can talk, you can put it on the board, you can show, you can talk on the sidelines, but you know, there's only so much you can do. You hit the water's edge where the kids have to do it. Is it tough when you were going from player to coach to give up kind of that control and kind of have that trust in the player when you're so used to being the person that can just make it happen? I think that's an area that I, in the last like two or three years have really embraced actually that as a coach, the more prepared I can make them, the tools I can give them to be leaders on the field, to problem solve. So, so essentially the better I train them, the better they're going to be able to perform on game day. If they don't ever see situations at practice that are realistic to a game, like overtime or man up, man down, um, penalty shootouts, like if they're never put in pressure in practice, why should I expect them to be able to perform on game day in that situation? So I put a lot of emphasis on making sure they're prepared in those ways so that I, I, you know, cause like you said, I can't be on the field on game day and, and be managing all of that. You know, I'm a voice from the sideline, but I want them to have the tools to problem solve on their own. And I think that building leadership and um, challenging them in training is a way to make that happen. So that's definitely been something that um, has, I think, helped just provide even a higher level for my programs that I've been with. What is your favorite part of coaching? Is it game day? You talked about how you enjoyed double sessions. Is it kind of the being on the field and and teaching is it the bus rides after a a win when everybody kind of decompresses and like if you had to kind of put them in a depth chart what would be at the top i think seeing the players be successful is definitely the the top and fortunately success can be defined as many different things so you know there's some of them that they really want to improve on a skill or maybe it's a corner shot and they get out and they do the extra work and they see the progress and they see themselves on game day, be able to execute that. Some of them, it could be simply, yeah, they, they want to win a championship and, and helping support the program and make the program better to make that happen. Um, some could be, they're really, they're people who, they love relationships and connecting and, and having a really strong team culture that feels like a family and feels super supportive. Well, that's also success. So it kind of just is seeing all of them grow and be successful in whatever like that looks like for each person. Hannah Prince, this was a heck of a lot of fun. Thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks, Matt. And that will do it for this week's episode. Want to thank new St. Joseph's University head field hockey coach Hannah Prince for being our guest this week. Now, if you like this show and you want to help us out, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and a review. You can follow the show on Twitter at one on one pod. You can follow me on Twitter as well at Matt Leon 1060. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to check us out again next time when we bring you another conversation with someone you should know more about.